When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the ultimate rock community podcast. Good day to everyone. Hope everyone's having a good day. Today we have a guest that is one of my favorite people on the Twitter land, or in the Twitter land. Her name is Claudia Stovola. How are you doing, Claudia? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Thanks for doing this. I know we've been trying to hook up here for the last couple of months, and our schedule's finally linked up and we're able to do the show and I do appreciate you coming on and doing this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you had me. I'm, I'm just uh, excited that we finally were able to connect after all our attempts. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, you just got to keep trying, I guess. Yeah. So we start every show. The show starts the same way. Anytime a new guest appears on the show, we always ask the same first question and that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it was a song, an album, a band, a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was your moment? What hooked you on rock and roll, Claudia? What hooked me on rock and roll was Dirty Deeds, the album Dirty Deeds by ACDC. I don't even know how I came across it. It wasn't... um, something that, you know, my mom listened to. I didn't have a dad in the house, so I can't blame him. <laughs> but um, I I don't even know how I found this album, and it just blew my mind. It was like nothing I'd ever heard before. It was just so, his Bronx Scott's voice was so cool and so weird, and uh, it just intrigued me, and I liked the edge to it. And I was a little kid. I mean, not that I want to admit my age, but let's be honest, that's an old album. <laughs> so um, it was ACDC, Dirty Deeds. That was the first one that, that roped me in. What was it about you that roped you in? I mean, was it the the guitar? Yeah, the- yeah and, it wasn't, and it wasn't just that song per se was the album it was the entire album and um 
I was a kid. I was a, a young kid, and I didn't know what balls were, so big balls on that album. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was like such a fun song, cool song, but I didn't know what it meant at the time. But um, again, I, I think it was that strangeness to Bon Scott's voice. It was nothing I'd ever heard before because um, I grew up with a lot of uh, soul R and B, which I love. I'm, I'm very into you know, Motown, I'm into 60s, 70s, 80s, soul, R&B, but um, this is very different, very different from any, you know, mainstream rock that I've heard, so it just, it, it, I was drawn to it, and I, I can't pinpoint one thing other than the oddity that it was to me at the time, but um, I think it kind of spoke to the inner punk in me because I always saw ACDC they, having a punk edge, you know, especially when Bon Scott was a lot, you know, that, that to me, even though they didn't identify as a punk band, I, as somebody who ended up being a punk, if you want to call it that, um, that's just where, where I felt more comfortable, you know? Well, they had a very raw edge to them. I mean, when you listen to their mm-hmm. early stuff, it's like they they weren't refined. They really didn't have that refined sound until Mutt Lang produced Highway to Hell. So if you listen to Dirty right. Deeds and Powerage and Let There Be Rock, it's a very like it's almost like like a horse that hasn't been tamed yet. You know, it's got that raw edge to it. It's got like you know, yeah, it wasn't overproduced. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too slick. You know, and I and don't get me wrong, I actually love Brian Johnson, but. Bon Scott ACDC is a different band. It's just, like you said, it's more raw, it's more edgy, it had a naughtiness to it, you know, and again, not too slick, which I think is, I think that's, and not to get off topic, but I I was thinking, you know, uh, our, our friend there on Twitter, um, does he go by Keep Rock Alive still? I know he changed it a couple of times. Yeah, it's, it's K- yeah, KRA Lives 2019. Yeah, yeah. And I know one of his frustrations is um, why don't people like, you know, the new bands? How come nobody supports the new bands? And, you know, why, isn't it, why don't they get the traction and so forth? I think some of the issue with a lot of the newer bands that are doing rock is exactly what I just said is it's almost like some of them are just too slick. They're a little too cool. They're a little too, um, perfect. And I think what rock had back then that it doesn't have now is this messy, edgy, dirty. Um, it, it, it was just a different vibe. And by dirty, I don't mean like porn, because when you think of a lot of the new rock bands, a lot of it is, you know, they have these porn-type women, and they kind of cater to that image. It was different back then. It was just like a natural thing, like, hey, I'm into rock, I uh, I wear ripped jeans. I, you know, it's not like there wasn't a lot of thought put into it. It just was what it was. Now I feel like there's a, a lot of thought put into it, and it becomes too much of a package more than it is music. I think you're right on uh, to some extent. I, I was just thinking a, a similar thought the other day 
about the differences in the bands that I grew up with versus the new bands now. And, and, you know, we, we were talking about ACDC, but you can make the same case with the first Motley Crue record. You can make the same case with those first few kiss albums. You know, they, there was a, there was a rawness to them. There was a, let's figure it out as we go type of vibe to them. Uh, a very mm-hmm. organic, or very organic type of feel to it where they're just plugging in and playing. Whereas now, and I, and I think, as newer bands are coming out, I think we're starting to recapture that rawness because there are some bands that do, but I do understand the types of bands that you're talking about where it sounds very compressed. It sounds very overproduced. It sounds like there's no air between the notes. It just feels like they went overboard with the production instead of adhering to the, to the, to the less is more. Right. And and it's even beyond that. It, when I say like, you know, just too slick or too cool, I even mean like some of the lyrics, like I can't quite give a great example because I'd have to literally sit and listen to some songs. I mean, there's a song by, I, I want to say it's Saving Abel. I maybe want to sing Addicted. You know, I'm addicted to you, all the things that you do, and you go down on me in between the sheets. It's a good song, mm-hmm. but it's almost like that lyric in itself is just, it's like it's just a little too cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know something about the way things are presented now. It just doesn't have that same just natural authenticity of badassness. <laughs> well, yeah. Badassery. I mean, think about the original Twisted Sister stuff before Stay Hungry. You know, the mm-hmm. under the blade, you can't kill rock and roll, sitting there in like jeans and jean jackets. And the same thing with ACDC. And, and there was like that street vibe, that toughness from from the alley, you know, coming out of the alley and playing. It was like that that vibe. And I get what you're saying. Yeah, I... I, I I think there are some bands. I think, you know, when you talk about newer bands like this band Black Coffee out of Columbus, Ohio, or Joyous Wolf out of L.A., you hear that rawness in their sound. You do hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do understand that it was part of the the essence of listening to the music. I mean, you saw these guys, and most of the pictures were, you know, sitting in an alley or standing in an alley or on a street or in a club, rundown club, you know, and, and they just look like they've been through hell and back. And, right. and I, I do, yeah, I do understand what you're saying. That's interesting. I don't know if that is a product of technology or if that's a product of how things are done now, you know, when you have. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that it's definitely a product of many things, including technology, but also just, you know, obviously each generation is different. You know, you're raised by a different generation each time and everybody has something different to offer in the way, you know, we see the world. So, you know, the, the people that are a lot younger than we are, they, they have a different taste just based on how they grew up and, and what they were exposed to. So, you know, to, to them, what we think is cool is probably like, oh, my God, that's so boring or that's so dated or, you know, they because they, they grew up with everything instantaneous and immediate satisfaction, everything's perfect. 
not understanding the perfection in, in imperfection. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, I also think when you talk about that music, you know, we mentioned ACDC, we mentioned Molly Crue, Twisted Sister. I think I think that even evolved during the 80s. So when you look back at mm-hmm. 80s rock and you look at 1980 to like 83, a lot of that music coming out back then was really raw, was, mm-hmm. you know, very primitive. You talk about the, you know, the new age of British heavy metal movement with Maiden and Tigers of Pantang and Diamond Head and early Def Leppard. And you talk about the music that's coming out of America in the early 80s, your Y&Ts. Um, you know, the early Motley Crue, even the Van Halen, you know, which was basically a backyard party band. So there was a lot of rawness to the music. And then in the in the mid 80s, when and I and I say this, the back, the the picture <laughs> on the back of the album for Theater of Pain by Motley Crue, where they're all oh, glammed yeah. up, changed the game, coupled with the fact yep. that they released Home Sweet Home. Everybody got glammed up after that. Everybody had the power ballad. The productions improved, got better, and then that was it. So really, that started to evolve even back then, um, and here we yeah. are now. And it also, right, and it also made those bands that were kind of like, ooh, they're freaky. You like Motley Crue, but as soon as, like you said, they did a home sweet home, and they you know, really glammed it up, all of a sudden it was safe for everybody to like them. And then they became, you know, mainstream staples for a lot of people. So it changed the total face of that type of rock back then, too, like you said. And that that was mid to late 80s. Mm -hmm. And you think about the early Def Leppard records, like the On Through the Night and High and Dry, and then you think of Hysteria. Oh, yeah, High and Dry is amazing. Yeah, and I was never as into hysteria. I, I thought high and dry was their masterpiece, you know? Right. A lot of people do. Yeah. But my point is that, you know, high and dry had that rawness to it, similar to ACDC, Dirty Deeds, and those albums we talked about. And then you listen to Hysteria, which is very produced. It's got a more of a sonic sound instead of a, a raw sound, you know, compared to like the Highway to Hell, the Back in Black. So I think every band went through that evolution. And I think the newer bands out there are just experimenting with the new technology. I think there are bands out there that do have that feel. I know they're no longer around anymore, but there was this band out of L.A. a few years ago called The Biters. I think they were, they were out of L.A. through Georgia, and they had a very Guns N' Roses type image feel to them. Like you felt like they didn't shower in like two weeks, <laughs> but they, but they, <laughs> but they released, yeah, but, but they released some really kick-ass music. It's, it's too bad. They're no longer around anymore, but yeah, I get that essence. It's almost like, it's like street cred almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Right. But I know it's like, I guess people just aren't looking for that anymore and they're probably not looking for it because, you know, everything is geared towards um, younger people because they're buying records and all that stuff or however they buy music now. And they're not looking for what they don't know or they never knew. You know what I'm saying? So right. they're not going to be looking for a Guns N' Roses type band. So when that a band like the Biters comes around, they're like, what the fuck? Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> what the fuck is this? You know, they're like, we're looking for Post Malone and, uh, you know, songs with 55 people, you know, featuring on it. They don't, they don't really 
understand what an actual rock song is, and they don't want it. It's unfortunate, but there aren't many people under 30 that really give a shit about rock. I think that's changing. I do, because I have a 14-year-old son, and I see his friends wearing the rock t-shirts again. I see him wearing the Greta Van Fleet shirts, the uh, rival son shirts, the strut shirts. And I think that's slowly coming back. I think it's starting to turn. Um, I think, you know, whether you like them or not, the struts or Greta Van Fleet, they are good for rock and roll because they are exposing younger people to that genre of music. And I think, I think it's going to take some time, but I think there's also, when you look behind those two bands and the bands that are coming up after them, whether it's Dirty Honey, I mentioned Joyous Wolf, there's a band Bishop Gunn, there's all these great new bands that are coming up that are behind it. And if they keep that momentum going, I think it's going to change. I don't know if it'll ever be like it was before. I think that's a hard, hard road to, yeah, to hoe, I, but um, that's, I do, yeah. Right, that's the difference. And I mean, in pretty much every band you just named, with the exception of maybe two or three of them, we play them all on Monsters of Rock. So we consider them to be Monsters of Rock, but unfortunately, and and they're huge in the rock world, but not enough people know them. And and it's like, how else do you get the word out? Because there's too many places now to access music. So, you know, when you think about, I don't know, selling records back in the 70s and 80s, I mean, there were artists that sold, you know, 20 million albums. Now it's like a huge deal if you sell a million, right? Right. That's that's the thing. That's why it's not as widespread. So it's like you really got to work that much harder to get your name out there because there's too many different options for people to go to where it's not going to be as... Um, uh, condensed, you know, if you just had a few rock stations, you knew which bands they were going to play. Now it's like, oh, you can get music here online, there online. You can get music on your TV. You get it on Pandora and your control floor in your house. And, you know, so there's so many different places to get music and so many different artists out there. People are going to just sort of go to what they know. Like, oh, I'm just going to pick the rap station or I'm going to pick the classic rock station not a lot of people are open-minded enough to just say, yeah, let me check this out. You know, before we were, we were just given what we were given. That's how we learned who bands were because we didn't have a lot of places to choose from. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I I brought this up before and I think a lot of it stems from the lack of physical connection with the music before, you know, we were growing up, you could touch it, you could feel it, you could see what these guys look like on the, on that you know, that, that picture on the album and you mm-hmm. can, you can read the liner notes and the lyrics and you'd sit in your bed with your headphones on or listening to the new album you just bought mm-hmm. and you would listen to it for days. You would absorb it over yep. a couple of weeks. You would get in your car with your friends on a Friday night, go to a record store, buy a couple cassettes and put them in your car and you drive around listening to it. There was that physical Absolutely, connection. Yeah. And I think that yep. hurts rock more than anything is because I know people like to say, listen with your ears, not your eyes. But the image throughout time, you go back for, to the 60s with Elvis, with the Beatles, 
the 70s with Kiss and, you know, what Mick Jagger would do on stage, you would listen to your eye with your eyes, not just your ears. That image is so important to rock. And when people are only point clicking and downloading and they're not absorbing it physically, not being able to touch it. Wow, look at these guys. Look at ACDC. Yeah. You know, bon Scott's got a missing tooth. And look at Twisted Sister. These guys look like they just got out of prison, you know? And it's just that whole, yeah. that's where that whole street cred and that vibe came from. And that doesn't happen anymore because the way we, we buy music, the way we absorb it. And that's, that is, and, yeah, that's yeah. the engine of what's wrong with the music industry and what's why rock music has had a tough time gaining traction is because of that, that whole aspect, because it was so dependent on your physical connection to it. Right. It was tangible. Music was literally tangible, like you said, with cassettes and albums. And I mean, even to this day, I had uh, an album by a band called The Descendants. I don't know if you know that. Maybe, I've uh, heard the band, yeah. Yeah, California punk band. And um, the album, I Don't Want to Grow Up, I had the song Silly Girl. And I used to listen to that album backwards and forwards. And it had like a couple of skits in the song Silly Girl. So even now, when I listen to that song on my iPod, I'm hearing it as I heard it on the album, and I'm waiting for that skip. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. It's not. It's it's perfect because it's on my iPod. But that's how connected to the album I was and how it's ingrained in my brain because that's how I listened to it growing up. So it's, it is impactful to have that tangible connection to music where you can physically hold it. And you make the connections, like you said, with the imagery. I'll never forget the first time I saw uh, Dream Police, Trick on TV. I was so fucking scared of Rick Nielsen. I was so freaked out by him, but yet I was so interested. I was like, what is this? It's he's. I, I don't know why he scared me, but then I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know? So I'm like, I need to know more about this. But that was the ability to connect with what you were seeing, what you were hearing, what you could physically, excuse me, hold in your hand if you brought the album or the cassette. But, um, yeah, just clicking a button, I don't know. It's, I'm just, uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's nice to have the convenience. I'm not trying to poo-poo technology or anything like that. But, you know, I think it's just... You lose it. You lose something. Out the you know? Yeah, yeah you, you do. You lose something. And, and I feel bad for, you know, really young kids because they don't understand the excitement that, that goes along with discovering new music. You had mentioned... Like, you know, going out on a Friday night with your friends and picking up some new records or cassettes. I mean, that was like my Saturday ritual was driving. Uh, my mom would drive my sister and I to this record store. It was like in a town three minutes away from us because they had all these imports and they had colored vinyl and you could get the 12 inch and you could get this and that and the other thing. And there was nothing else like that around us. So we could make a special trip on a Saturday to go to this record store and it was like it was dingy it was dark it was bins of, of records but it was the coolest feeling ever and that's how I discovered music I didn't go in there saying okay I gotta go grab the um, that new Adam Ant album I 
I would just go through bands and go, this looks kind of cool. I want to check this out. I, I would just buy a stack of records, bands I never heard of, and all of a sudden I was a fan, you know? So it was just, it was exciting, and it was like a treasure hunt. Now, yeah, doesn't doesn't exist that way. No, it doesn't. And unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to come back. I, I did read an interesting article on Billboard this week about how the new Tool album and actually the new Taylor Swift album, people have bought the physical copy of the CD. So it's right. now causing these record companies to rethink that, hey, maybe CDs are still a viable product. You know, maybe people and, and I'm like, yes, yes, it's still digital. The CD is still digital music. It is not it is. analog. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's still it still sounds great. You could, but you have, you know, the physical element of the music, and I would love for people to start buying that. You know, like I would love for cars to put CD players back in their vehicles. Like you know, the last two years they've done away with that, so you can't even play a CD in your car anymore. Um, yeah, I I can't believe that. That is like so sad. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Before we begin with our other topic that we were going to talk about, um, you're putting together a book that you've mentioned a few times on Twitter, and tell me more about it. What's what's it about? Okay, well, uh, for those who don't know, which is probably everybody because I'm not famous, <laughs> I am a stand-up comedian, um, and I'm also a writer, so I've been writing a book called 100 Things to Hate Before You Die which is obviously a spoof on a thousand places to go before you die or whatever the hell that book is called. Um, and it's basically the book of rants, like different things that drive me nuts and that I hate. Uh, and I think that, you know, many other people probably feel the same way. So it's, but it's, it's rants with a very humorous spin and a humorous angle on things. Um, and I've been working on it for a while. Then I go into these moments where I'm like trapped doing 8 million other things. So then I got to put the book on the back burner. I have um, a book proposal all ready to go to submit to literary agents. Because the ideal situation is you want to get a literary agent and then they can pitch it to a publisher. And hopefully you get a legitimate publishing deal. But when you don't have a huge platform, because like I said, I'm not famous, it is hard to get them on board because well, you, you have to do all the work now, you the author, whereas back in the day, the publisher would do all the promotion and they would build the platform and so forth and so on. It's different now. So I've been reluctant to submit to a literary agent as of yet because I'm trying to continue to build a following so they could see some numbers before I try to pitch. And if that doesn't work, then I'm going to have to do the self-publishing route. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both. But regardless, the book is, in my opinion, hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Not to pat myself on the back, but, um, you know, it's like if you like a little edge to your humor, you like uh, people who don't pussyfoot around topics, then this book will be for you because that's how I speak. I just say it like it is. And, um, again, with humor and love, of course, always love in the background. So that's what that book is all about. Uh, when do you anticipate completion of the book? 
Um, I'm hoping to have the book completed within the next six months. Um, I have, uh, you know, a few more rants to get through. And once that's all tightened up, I'm going to have to go back to some of the rants I've already written because by the time I pitch to a literary agent, like I have a hysterical rant about Bill Cosby, but (laughs) now it's not as timely. So I might have to tweak it a bit. I might have to reconsider, you know, so, so now I, after that's all done, I still have to go back and say, okay, well, is, is this going to be relevant? Because that happened two years ago, you know, cause it, it takes a long time to write a book and I've been working on it for a while. So I'm hoping it'll be done in the next six months. And, um, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see if I can, uh, get an agent. I'm secretly stalking, a literary agent on Facebook that I really want. <laughs> Do they know that? <laughs> no. I mean, we're, he, we're <laughs> friends, but he doesn't know why we're friends. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to impress him with my coach and see how wonderful and clever I am. And that baby who recognize when I submit to him at the his agency, you know, for this book and be like, Oh, I know that chick. She's really funny. <laughs> you know, so anyway, but that's, that's our little secret. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good luck on that. And I'm Thank looking you. forward to you completing it. What's the name of the book again? 100 Things to Hate Before You Die. I like the title. I do. Thank you. Thank you. There are plenty of things to hate before we die. And absolutely, it kind of segues into our next topic, which is... Okay. I want us to tread lightly, walk the tightrope on this, because I don't want it to be a political conversation. But I want to talk about an artist's political views and the statements they make and how fans and how people absorb it. Because we live in a time right now where everyone has a platform. Entertainers always had that platform. They had the stage, they had the mic, they had the talk shows. They always had an ability to reach their fans and reach people who are watching them, make a statement about something they believe or something that they're champion. And now with Twitter, social media, Facebook, Instagram, everybody has almost an equal footing on having their opinions heard. And one of the things that has happened over time, I would probably say within the last decade, is this pushback on entertainers, musicians, artists, who state political views, and people respond, stay in your lane, you're out of touch, I'm not going to listen to you anymore, I'm burning all your records. And I think it's getting out of hand. Not the comments that the musicians and artists are stating, because that's always happened from the 60s right. all the way until now. Yeah, Bob Dylan, yep. You know, Bob Dylan, Jane Fonda, we all know the controversy over that. Paul Newman was a big activist. Um, yep, yep. All, all these people. So that's always happened. But I think what's getting out of hand is people reacting. And people, whether it's Ted Nugent, whether it's Nikki Six, whether it's Kid Rock, whether it's whomever, stating their political Mm -hmm. views and then saying, you know what, I'm not listening anymore, I'm throwing out all your albums. My response to that is, why? Why would you get rid of something that you've enjoyed for decades? Whether Whether it's Stranglehold by Ted Nugent, 
you know, whether it's Shout at the Devil from Motley Crue or whatever artist that, that has stated, stated something that you disagree with. It's getting ridiculous. People yeah, should... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's people are... Because we live in a world of, I call them adult babies. And that's what everybody is turning into is a whining, crying, foot-stomping adult baby. It, it, I mean, that's what social media is. If you look at people on social media, they don't even just do it with music, which we'll definitely get right back to, but they do it with people they've been friends with for years. Wait a minute, you have a different view than I do? How dare you? I'm not friends with you anymore. I'm blocking you. Yes. I mean, how immature, insecure... And unstable is that reaction. Now, when it comes to Ted Nugent, listen, we play him on Monsters, so I don't usually like to comment on him. I don't care what his political views are. My issue is young girls. Yes. That's a totally different ballgame. So we won't go into Ted Nugent because that's just scary territory. Same with Michael Jackson because I've been torn about Michael Jackson, and I, I know I'm going off topic, but I will definitely go back to the politics, but it's like, there were so many songs that I loved by Michael Jackson, but I do believe that he did what he's accused of doing, and I feel it in my heart of hearts that these guys are honest, and I really believe what happened to them, and I'm like, how can I listen to somebody that would do that to a child? To me, that's different than disagreeing with somebody's politics and saying, and, and that's the funny thing. People will ban an artist over politics before they would over a horrible sexual allegation. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like an actual crime. <laughs> an actual crime against a friggin' child, okay? People are okay with that, but they're not okay if you disagree with their political view. And I think it's so childish for people to ban an artist because they may be pro-gone and you're anti-gone or vice versa. So what? Right. In the grand scheme of things, so fucking what? It's okay to have differing opinions. Where it becomes a problem is when you, let's say, uh, let's say an artist supports, um, you know, bashing gay people. Well, okay, that's beyond the political view. That's a hate crime. Right? Right, you know what I right. mean? So, yeah. Then, then yeah, I'm not going to be interested in an artist who is so anti-gay that they want to, you know, take away somebody's wife or something like that. But it's like there are so many topics that, that artists... Um, and they're allowed to have opinions. That's the other thing. You know, I don't. I don't need to know your opinion. I don't want to know your political views. Or same with an, uh, an actress or an actor. I don't. Why not? Just because they're an actor, or a musician, doesn't mean that they can't have. They're they're no less entitled to a political opinion than you are. You know, people are, oh, stick to singing or stick to uh, stick to acting. stay in your lane. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's like, okay, so are you a politician and that's why you're allowed to have an opinion, but an artist is not allowed? Like, well, that's people the thing. are hypocrites. Yeah, everybody has a platform these days. Everybody has a uh, has an opportunity to voice their opinions to whether how you know how many Facebook friends you have or Twitter followers you have. So, you know, if a police officer is on his Facebook page talking about education reform, does he 
get pushed back from people. Hey, stay in your lane. You're, you're a police officer. You're not a teacher. Are only people right. allowed to talk about certain subject matters who experience that stuff every day? Well, no, that's not reasonable. Having a difference of opinion of than, than somebody else does not mean that you hate that person. Does not mean that that person hates you if they have a difference of opinion. Okay. Exactly. It, it just means they have a different view. And the block button on Facebook is that virtual block, get out of my life, I don't want to deal with you anymore button. And now we have that in reality. We have that boycott mentality. We have that, I'm just not going to listen to you. I'm unfollowing you. There's no resolution anymore. There's no, yeah, I don't like what he says and I don't like his opinions on this subject, but that's okay. You know, I mean, he's still, he's still a fellow human being. He's entitled to say what he wants to say. Now, you're right. Now, is it going against someone's rights or oppressing someone? Yes, that's a whole different subject matter in itself. But I, I just don't understand how, you know, I was on Nikki Six's Instagram page probably like two months ago. And yep. he was talking about his wife who was pregnant at the time. And there was a comment mm-hmm. by someone who said, well, he doesn't like our, he doesn't support our presence. So I can't listen to his music. And I'm like, what are oh you, my God. are you it, serious? But that's a simple thing. Yeah. Simple thing. Yeah. Yep. It just, it's, if I don't like someone's opinion, you, then I, I don't, I don't like their opinion on something. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like hate them and not like them or not stop listening to their music. I'm just, my, my opinions may, may just not align with someone's views and that's okay, but that's what makes us all unique. I know. And that's like, I always find it so interesting when people are so terrified by somebody having an opposite opinion. And again, I, I'm not talking about, you know, people who are abusive and want to oppress people. Cause then I can understand why you might be a little reluctant to associate, but I'm just talking about different political views. I always find, I'm always interested in finding what I can, what I might have in common with someone, even if we have different political views, because I always think there's something that you can like about somebody else. Like, that's how I always look at it. And, you know, a lot of times that common ground might be music or it might be, um, uh, you know, a restaurant or whatever the case may be. But in, but people tend to focus on what they don't like about people rather than what they might like about a person. And that's why so many people are arguing on social media about dumb shit. And you made a good point about the black button um, because people are so dramatic. And and I have the greatest example of of something that happened to me. I mean, I I lose followers every couple of days, and I don't know why. I'm sure they're offended by something I said on the radio or maybe something I tweeted. And I, I frankly, I don't even tweet very offensive stuff, but you never know what somebody might be so perturbed by. But do you remember a few months ago when um, the uh, yacht cocaine prostitutes was trending on Twitter? It was um, having to do with uh, that Republican Devin Nunes after that whole lawsuit. There, there was a whole thing about the partying and this and that. So the hashtag yacht cocaine prostitutes was trending on Twitter. Okay. To me, that sounds fucking funny. Yacht cocaine prostitutes. <laughs> so I took it and I made a joke. Nothing to do with politics. I didn't say what, what, whose side I'm on. I didn't talk anything about the actual issue. I made a joke about 
that being the name of my band, and then I compared it to, uh, you know, like whatever the broke version of the Yacht Cocaine Prostitutes was. I can't remember what I said. So some guy that I don't even know, some loser that was following me on Twitter, and I call him a loser because he obviously was a wimp and had no balls. He's like, I can't follow you anymore after that tweet. And I'm thinking, why? Like, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I said, no problem. Like, well, he wanted to get in an argument with me. And I'm like, what am I going to argue with you over a fucking joke that had nothing to do with the political topic itself? It had to do with making fun of the hashtag that sounded so stupid and silly. But he couldn't handle it because he obviously was, I don't know. I don't, and I don't even know. Maybe he was, he maybe he was a silly. secret, secret yacht cooking prostitute. Yeah. And I, so yeah, cause I made some joke about, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even remember cocaine compared to meth and then prostitutes and, and hooking. I don't even know. I, but it was so dumb and such a silly tweet and it really upset this guy. And I was like, Hey, don't follow. What do I care? And then he blocked me, so I blocked him back because I'm like, I don't even looking at my shit, you know. So that was it. But I was like, that shows you how people are just in. Like they're just in. But most people aren't right. That's the other problem. And I'm sorry to say that, but there was actually a study that uh, did confirm that, like, I forget what it was. Some crazy percentage, like let's say. 70%, maybe even 80%. I don't even remember, but it was a, it was well over 60% of adults in America have not progressed beyond an eighth grade level. Their mentality has not progressed. Like, how scary is that? That's pretty so scary. So that tells you what we're dealing with and why people can't have adult conversations and why people can't handle a, you know, minor disagreement in, uh, politics or whatever people are not mentally evolved and that's what we're dealing with well yeah i I think also when what stems from all this how and how social media is a detriment to people evolving is because now the way it's all set up right the way your facebook page or your twitter feed is you only get news based on what you click on. So for instance, mm-hmm. you know, my Twitter feed is based on music. So I get music based news throughout my, my Twitter feed. Right. So a right. Lot, I, yeah. I don't get any real news. So what that shows me is the algorithm that I am in does not give me anything outside my box. And that's, right. and that's scary because people are not, hearing or reading other viewpoints. And what happens then is that they only read about their viewpoint or the viewpoints that adhere to their beliefs. And it only, it confirms their beliefs because they keep reading about it and seeing about it where they don't hear the other side. I asked an individual probably about three, four years ago, he's an older gentleman, an elderly man. I said, what do you think the difference is now than it was before? you know, in terms of how people are so polarized or, or, or news is so polarizing now, um, or politics are so polarizing, I should say. What's the difference? And he said, it used to be everybody got the nightly news from three different channels. And the news was reported pretty down the middle. 
It wasn't to the right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to the left. So people absorbed it the same way. And that's why the country was more moderate at that time because of the way the news was given to you. Now, you can talk about all the things behind that and what they weren't reporting. That's a totally different topic. But that's how the news was reported. Now, there's so many outlets for you to go to confirm what you believe and to you know, not hear the other side or not hear that moderate down the middle viewpoint. That's why things have gotten so extreme. You know, whether you're conservative or whether you're liberal, you're vilified on each side, right? You know, conservatives are this, liberals are this, conservatives hate America, liberals hate America. It doesn't matter. You can find it on each side because everyone's been pushed to the fringes and to the edges because you can go to your favorite cable news station. You can go to your favorite news blog, you can go to your favorite social media page, and you can get the news that you want, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, it's like formulated in the way that you want to hear it. Right. It's not the news that you need to hear. It's the news that you want. And wherever, you know, however that has to come back, I don't know if it's ever going to be fixed, but that's really why now we get this. I mean, you can be on my page, right? And we all talk about music. And we all come together and we all have discussions, whether it's Aerosmith, whether it's Led Zeppelin, Metallica, whoever, and we all have fun discussing it. No one's really talking about anything political. And it's great. We all get along. And I know some of the people that are in the discussion are liberal people and some of them are conservative people. Mm-hmm. Why, why can't it always be like this? Like, I don't like the Aerosmith pump record, but I love permanent vacation. Well, there's another guy and you can have a great discussion on the differences between both albums and there's very little arguing or very little trolling involved. The minute you go yeah, on someone's I have pa- seen it yeah. though, but you're right. It's not the same level, but I do even see it with the music stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, but, but it's not as, it's not as extreme. The minute something, no, it's not, yeah. it's not as psycho. <laughs> yeah. But the minute it turns political or the minute something says something, I mean, I have, Twitter followers that, you know, when I go on my feed, sometimes I see their retweets or sometimes I see their posts to other people. And it's like, man, it's like, like just being belligerent to, you know, whoever posted something, swearing, attacking someone, swearing at them, whatever. And and, and, and listen, it's not, it's not one side, it's both sides. So if it, 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 totally, yeah, yes. it's not like, Oh, just the people on the right or just, it is like, both it's everybody it, yeah, and it's, anyone in between. It's all like, I don't know why they, people get so aggressive and it's like, when has that ever worked? Like what, what are you accomplishing by being abusive to somebody? I don't understand that mentality. Right. I mean, do you get off your computer? Do you shut down your computer and think that you won the day by being that way? I mean, yeah, you know it, it, it's. It's not like you're gonna attack somebody verbally and then suddenly they're gonna go, "Oh my God, you know what? You're right. You're right. Thanks for pointing that out in such an aggressive, animalistic, abusive way." <laughs> you know. Yes. Way way to sway my opinion. Way to way to kill me with kindness. Yeah. You know. Um, right, but again, that points to the simplicity of people thinking like they just they're they're not mentally mature. The other thing is, is that if you are on someone's Twitter page, you know, if you follow mm-hmm. a certain artist and they express mm-hmm. their opinion, guess what? That is their platform. They can say whatever they want to say. They can utilize their Twitter feed, their Facebook page, however they want. 
And if you don't like exactly. it, you could stop following or you can just scroll by. I, I would think or I would prefer to scroll by because I'm not going to just reject someone based on a difference of opinion. Paul Stanley made a comment on September 1st on his Twitter feed after I think mm-hmm. it was Paul Stanley and oh, okay, yep. on his Twitter feed on September 1st. And I think it was in the response to the shootings um, in Texas. And he wrote, this is his, this is verbatim what he wrote on his Twitter page. I don't know the answer, but I'm asking for everyone's thoughts. Anyone thinks I should stay in my lane should leave now. This is my house. If you do have opinions, Mm -hmm. why shouldn't I? In this case, I will leave it up to some of these dopey comments for your enjoyment. Not again. And he's responding to people who responded to his original comment, which is, Mm -hmm. we don't have more crazy or mentally unstable people in the U.S. Okay, that's a a pretty legitimate statement. Sentence one. Mm -hmm. What we do have are are commonplace mass shootings with automatic and semi-automatic high-powered firearms. That's the truth, okay? That cannot be disputed. Mm -hmm. I agree. Tell me what and our government must do. Prayers and sympathy are not enough. Now, that's not asking for more gun control. That's not asking for more guns to be put in the hands of people, more concealed carry. That is a pretty down-the-road statement on guns. Exactly, and and it's it's a fair question. It's it's just a Mm -hmm. legitimate, uh, well-worded, actually, open discussion type of uh, question and commentary. Right. It's not saying, it's not championing more gun rights. It's not championing more gun control. It's asking a question. Right. And the comments that he got after that comment were, you know, oh, it must have been all the drugs you did in the 70s. It's it's been well documented. Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons have never done drugs. Maybe not never. I know. But but they've never abused drugs. No. Nope, they never did. They, they, that's what they're actually, one of the things they're known for is being clean musicians, and that's why they couldn't put up with some of the other shit that was going on. Right, right. And then you have comments like, stay in your lane, stick to singing, I can't listen to you anymore, I'm, I'm done with Kiss. And it's like, why? That statement was pretty vanilla, right? I, mean, I it know, wasn't, oh It my wasn't God. a controversial statement. And when I say vanilla, I don't mean... It was a simpleton comment. It was basically vanilla, meaning it wasn't one one way or the other way. It was just a statement and a question. And he got exactly. pushback on so it. So down the middle. Right. So, But it's like, like he said, first of all, why does he have to stay in his lane, but these people don't? Who, who are, are they all politicians that, that are responding to him? No, they're people... Maybe it's a guy that works in an insurance company. Maybe it's a guy that works at a machine shop. Why is he allowed his opinion, but Paul Stanley isn't, or any other musician on the planet is not allowed their opinion? Right. Right. I don't Um, get it. I don't get it. Yes, there are entertainers, there are artists that say things that cause you to scratch your head. And you can tell Mm -hmm. the ones that are not informed on the subject matters they are speaking of. That happens, mm-hmm. and that is that's that's BS. First of all, when someone uses a platform to speak about something they don't really know shit about, um, mm-hmm. it's great to have an opinion. But yes, I do think entertainers and artists in in the public domain do have a responsibility that if you are going to talk about something and you're going to champion something, you better know about it. You better have your facts 
you know, down and, and, and know the subject matter. And that is unfortunate. Right, because people aren't going to just brush by it. They're going to ask you about it. But right. you better have your information. <laughs> exactly. So I do think, yes, people in the public light need to be more responsible with what they say. And I mean that meaning, you know, with, with the intent of knowing the subject matter. Because there are people right. when they're, you know, when they're interviewed on talk shows or wherever and they say something, you know, you do like the lassie neck tilt to the right. Like, what did you just say? You know, like, that's completely yeah. not right, <laughs> yeah. you know. But there are people that do know subject matters and they are, do, are, and are very educated on things, just like your neighbor down the street, just like your friend, you know, who you've known for 10 years, just like the person that works at the restaurant. People know subject matters and people do have opinions and they are educated. Now, you can decipher which one is a, a strong opinion with, you know, based on facts and, 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 knowledge or you can also decipher the ones that are just like okay this person knows absolutely nothing what they talk about that's for you to internalize exactly. that's for you to internalize and, and make the decision on your own but hating right. someone and completely you know doing the reality block the facebook block of reality oh, i'm done with you i'm not listening to your music anymore i'm completely done with your band never gonna listen to you again what, what are you talking about like why would you do that like why Right. To, to go all the way to the level of hate and, and being so, you know, like, oh, my God, I can't even look at that person anymore. That is such an extreme reaction that it, you have to wonder what's wrong with that individual, that they cannot handle anybody not thinking exactly the same way that they do. It's, it's a very strange approach to life, but it seems to be quite common which is what's scary because I'm seeing it more and more. And, and as a comedian, you see a lot with the audience. You see how people can't handle the simplest things that might be a little like, like I did two shows this past weekend. The Friday night show was killer. The audience was awesome. It was, they were so fun and so into the, the show, I couldn't even get to all my material because I had so many applause breaks that it took up so much time that I couldn't even get to everything I wanted to do. That's how good that show was. So that's awesome. That's where I call, yeah, thank you. That's an audience that just gets it, okay? The next night, the audience was so strange. They... I would get applause breaks for some things, and then other things, they would look at me like I had six heads, and they would cringe, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is an uptight crowd, and they need simple humor. That's what I call safe humor. So, I mean, as an example, one of the most frivolous jokes that I do is just it's a, what I call a throw-in joke. I... um I start to talk about how I went out to Vegas uh, for a wedding, and, and that's a whole bit that I do. And then I say how it's so hot out in Vegas, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, you know, it's actually hot up here tonight. I should have worn a wife beater. And then I go, but how the hell do you wear an NFL player? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the audience either roars and gets the joke, or that, that audience is like, oh, oh, like, do you understand I'm making fun of assholes? I'm making fun of people who beat women, but you're offended by that. Do you understand that it makes no sense 
to be offended by criticizing somebody who's doing something crazy. Like, that's how stupid people are, though. They just are programmed to be offended by anything that isn't simplistic and safe. So they don't even know what they're offended by, but they're acting offended, right? Exactly. You get to the guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you make your point. Cause I was no, no, no. I mean, away. I mean, speaking of comedy, let's talk about Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle released this comedy special two weeks ago, I think it was. And yep. the pushback that he received has been incredible. Like they're like, you know, there's a whole cancel movement, you know, if someone says something you don't like, yeah, they, they tack so them. Stupid. And, <sighs> and you know what? Here's the, I personally have never been able to sit through a Dave Chappelle comedy special. None of them. I tried. I, he's one of those guys that I get why people love him. I think he's funny, but he's just not my, like for stand up, I just I can't sit through one of the shows. So I'm like, it's not doing it. Bill Burr, on the other hand, I could watch the same thing fifty times in a row, and I'm laughing my ass off. So I did try to watch the Chappelle special because everybody was touting it as brilliant, and oh my god, and this and that. And yes, there were some jokes in there that I know exactly what you're talking about. Why people flipped out? I didn't particularly find them funny, but I also don't think he should be banned from using them if that's what he wants to joke about then that's what he wants to joke about and if there are people that want to listen to it then let them listen that's their business you know what i mean so it's just like people are trying to control any thought that comes out of somebody's head any word that comes out of somebody's mouth it's just because you don't agree with it or it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that you have to quote unquote protect the rest of the world from it some people might want to hear that you know, but you're going but, into listening to or to watching the Dave Chappelle special. You know what you're getting, yeah. right? You know, exactly. you know how but he is. Why some of people are watching it because they want to be pissed off. They want to have something to criticize. They want to get on a soapbox and, and rant and rave about it. It's like, no, I, I don't even know. It's just like looking for a problem where there isn't one, you know? Like, I, I had posted um, after the VMA Awards, because to me, Sebastian Maniscalco is one of the best comics out there right now over the last... Yeah, he got, know, he five, got killed as well. Years. Oh, my God. He, his joke was so inane, and, and it was hysterical, actually. He was making fun of, you know, the people with the support animals. Not even making fun of the people, just the, the, the movement of it, which is fucking ridiculous, let's be honest. Okay, first of all, these are not trained animals. It's not the same as a service animal, by the way, because a lot of people don't understand that. A service animal is trained specifically to uh, guide you if you can't see or retrieve things for you or uh, to save your life. Those are service animals. An emotional support animal is an animal for people that don't want to deal with their anxiety or can't deal with their anxiety. So they feel that it's their right to impose on everybody around them and make, maybe make them uncomfortable. Why, why can you bring any fucking animal you want on a plane to make you comfortable? And meanwhile, maybe you're giving everybody else on the plane anxiety. Maybe the animal is having anxiety flying. Did that ever occur to anybody? Maybe 20 people on the plane have severe allergies. But no, because you don't want to, 
deal with flying, you're going to inconvenience and impose on everybody else. How about not flying? How about that? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so I have to get that ring off my chest. But because um, I don't fly anymore. I have dysautonomia. I have an autonomic nervous system disorder, and it makes it very difficult for me to fly. Could I say, oh, maybe if I had a little horsey with me, I'd feel better about it. Fuck that. Why should I do that to other people? I, I, whatever. But anyway, so, but the joke he made was basically like, oh, you know, if anybody's offended by anything tonight, um, we have a safe space backstage. Uh, and uh, I forget the artist's name that did the um, collaboration with Billy Ray Cyrus, and I guess he had that little horse. He says, we have so-and-so's horse backstage if you, if you need, uh, you know, an emotional support animal. Funny joke, right? People were stone-faced. Like, they were, like, this is the most horrifying thing they've ever heard. You would think he said, let's go stab a bunch of babies. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's, and it's like, even if I were somebody who used an emotional support animal, I would laugh at that. I would think that's funny, because I can laugh at myself. I do laugh at myself. I have so many friggin' problems, I, I just make fun of it. You know what I mean? With all my physical ailments, I have so much going on. I, I wouldn't get offended if somebody made fun of dysautonomia or connective tissue disease or any other thing that I've been dealing with. I don't care. If people make fun of me having no boobs, having a, you know, a big smile, like, oh, your teeth are so big, you know, whatever. I, I frizzy hair. They make fun of everything. I'm too skinny. I don't care. But oh. like people can't handle it. So they went off on, on Sebastian Westelka. So I made a joke about it online on Facebook and this girl who I never interact with, she's the wife of an old friend of mine. And, um, you know, I like her posts when she posts pictures of her kids and, you know, I try to always be supportive because it's my old friend and that's his wife and his kids, whatever. So I, she never likes, acknowledges anything I do ever. You know, I post music to you the week, nothing. I post a joke, nothing. All of a sudden she decides to get involved in this conversation because I've seen her do this with other people's posts. She always wedges in something about she's anti-Trump. So she jumps in and she's the, uh, you know, the protector of all minorities. She's, you know, white superhero, Miss White superhero. And, um, you know, just gets in on this conversation and turns it into something political. And I'm like, that's not even what we're talking about here. Like, I'm thinking, why are you here? But she was trying to start a fucking political argument right. over something that had nothing to do with politics. You know right. what I'm saying? So I'm like, this is what, I'm sorry, this is such a long-winded. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Attitude. Not at all. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like this is the mentality of people. But she clearly is like a hawk on Facebook looking for an opportunity to swoop in and and go for the kill. But it didn't work. I, I shut her down pretty quickly, and she didn't really know how, how to deal with it. So then she was trying to kiss my ass afterwards. But the bottom line is, you don't have to wedge politics into everything. You can. People can have opinions on things in life, and it doesn't always have to turn into a Trump versus whatever. Trump versus this. I don't talk about any of that stuff. I don't talk about Trump. I don't talk about uh, Clinton. I don't talk about any of those people. I just talk about shit that's happening in the world as far as stuff that I observe as a comedian, observational humor. That's what I do. I comment on it. Because I'm human like everybody else, you know? But what happened so, to the age of, if you 
don't like something, you don't listen to it. If, if I, if I, I like Chappelle, so I'm going to watch his special. If I didn't like Chappelle, if I didn't, if I watched some of his stuff previously and didn't like it, I'm not going to go watch it just to find something to piss me off. I don't understand that, you know. I know, but because now people want to be heroes, they can they they want to be they want to police everything and then be the hero. Like, look what I did! I shut that down, so I protected whoever. Because you're not protecting anyone. Nobody's looking for your friggin' help, okay? But these people want a pat on the back. They want to look like they're you know doing something so um, virtuous. And meanwhile, they're really only doing this shit online, but in real life, they're probably not doing anything to help anyone. Right. I mean, it, I love Ben Stiller. I think Ben Stiller is hysterical. I love Ben Stiller movies. I, I think he's a riot. But he's like all about, you know, Syrian refugees, Syrian refugees. It's like, okay, how many Syrian refugees have you taken into your home then? I'm just curious. You know what I mean? So it's like these people that have these causes, and again, whether it's a left or right cause, they're very vocal on social media, but I don't see a lot of real-life action to back it up. you understand what I'm saying? No, I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just think that it goes to the... I was told when I was younger that those who speak the loudest know the least. And you can apply that to many people you see on your Facebook page, your Twitter feed. You know, I, I don't understand attacking and yelling and screaming at someone on, on social media. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, try, I I, and we've all done it. Let's let's be honest, too. Like there was a time where, yes, I would get in the weeds with people and, and do that. And then, like you said, how did I what did I gain from anything? Like that? Did I change anyone's mind? Did I? No. So why even engage in it? Why even get involved in it? And I don't, I don't do it anymore. I just, I, I, you know, it, it just got to the point where no one's opinions are going to be changed in a media, right. in, a, in a social media argument. It's not going to happen. P- opinions aren't going to change regardless, even if you have a conversation. So just let people be who they are. Let people be who they are. Let people believe what they want to believe. And here's the thing. Here's probably the most important thing. Let them evolve if they choose to evolve, right? If they have exactly. an opinion, it has to be up to them. Right, yep. right. If they have an opinion on something, let them figure it out and realize that they were wrong or maybe they weren't looking at it a certain way than they were now. Let them decide that. Because yes. most people, I believe, maybe I'm naive, I believe most people can evolve. And I believe most people are have their beliefs because of a product of their surrounding or of their environment. So mm-hmm. once they experience more things or experience other other moments in their life, they may change their view. They may change their opinion. Right. But yelling at each other on social media, blocking someone, and you even mentioned it at the first part of the conversation. Like people can't even oh, I know. go over to like someone's house anymore. Like like Family dinners over Thanksgiving oh, or Christmas are like a war zone now, you know? <laughs> I know. It's so terrifying. It's so true. I mean, even when you think of topics like um, abortion, it's like, why would you have to end a relationship with somebody if you had differing views on abortion? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's not, I mean, I, I'm 
personally, I'm pro-abortion. I don't think people should use it as a form of birth control. I think I wish we could prevent people from having kids and have to have a test to prove that they could even have kids in the first place, but that will never happen. But um, I would never alienate somebody because they were anti-abortion. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that, but people get so extreme on either side. That's what's so scary is the extremes that people go to in their beliefs and the anger and the, um, just it's, they just get so vicious about things. And that's the terrifying part is people get so angry if you don't feel the same way they do. And I think it can goes back to what I was saying before. It has to do with a certain level of mental intelligence or emotional intelligence, because why would you get so emotionally wrought if you don't, if somebody doesn't have the same opinion that you do? Right. That speaks to something inside of you if it works you up to that level that you're getting verbally abusive, violent, whatever it is. That That's something inside of you that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a, a flaw. I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't seem like a, a stable part of a person's mental being. Yeah, and I also, when I'm... Getting back to the to the original point, which is, you know, how do we react to when a, a musician states something political or says something that's going on currently in the news? Now, if they have a, an opinion that differs from yours, that's fine. You, you shrug your shoulders. You're saying, eh, I disagree with that, or eh, I agree with some of that, or I agree with all of that. Um, yeah. But it should never affect you from enjoying their music. It should never affect right. you from having that joy. Now you mentioned Ted Nugent and there's some issues from way back when, when, and there's some other artists too, as well. Let's be fair. It's not just Ted Nugent. It's, it's a lot of them back in that 60s, mm-hmm. 70s era that, you know, they did do some things that would not be accepted. It should never be accepted. Let's just say that. But mm-hmm. to, if, if, if that behavior happened, Today, they would be, you would never hear from them again. Never. Right. Um, right. But to your point, uh, just, I want to go back to what you said about, um, you know, uh, artists having a political view and then saying, oh my God, I'm never going to listen to them again. I mean, imagine if you had a favorite restaurant and your favorite meal of all time is at this restaurant. And then all of a sudden you find out that the chef has a differing political view than you do you're going to punish yourself and not eat that that food anymore because you know what I mean? Like people have a very strange approach to, um, you not liking something that somebody else does. Like that just doesn't make sense. Like you said, you're punishing yourself. So what, what, what are you proving by not listening to music that you enjoy? What's what, who are you standing up to at that point yourself? Like, do you think that Paul Stanley is going to be affected if 8%, 7% of his audience doesn't buy any any stuff about Kiss or Paul Stanley any, ever again? No. no. Paul Stanley's no. not, not even going to blink an eye. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. It's like these people think they're so tough and like, oh, I'm going to show him and I'm not. He doesn't care. He doesn't know you. He's never going to know you. And even if he did, he wouldn't care. Right. And so, he's made him more money than the eye can see that he doesn't. It's whatever, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's such a joke. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not any uh, rock star. I'm not any big celebrity or anything like that. And I won't change my ways on stage or what I talk about because I'm afraid it might offend someone. I'm like, that's on them, not on me. I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else. Then why am I coming? I do what's coming from my heart and my head. I talk about stuff that stirs something in me. So to go up there and talk about something that I have no passion for, how how could I? That, that just wouldn't work for me. Right. Just so I could get you know a little bit extra fan base? No, I'm not interested. And and that's you know what I experience a lot is um, I notice you know there oh, there's always different types of audiences. Like I said, there's audiences that get it and they're with it and they're you know a little bit brighter. But then there are people who need everything very simplistic and they will laugh their asses off over stuff that, you know, you could hear from 90% of comics in any club on any given night talking about the most cliche stuff on the planet. You know, oh, men and women are different. Oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. Like, like you would think that that was the most groundbreaking thing you've ever heard is that, uh, you know, oh, he left the toilet seat up, so I taught him. You know, just dumb shit like that. Like, there, I was working with a guy who did a 15-minute story about how he shit his pants, which is a funny story. <laughs> you know, at a party. Was it but about like, me? No. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> did you see me? Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, but you would think that that was something like so groundbreaking. Oh my God, nobody's ever talked about sitting in their pants before. And it was just like, oh my God, like this is sad. Like that they can't appreciate anything beyond the obvious and the simplistic. And that's the world we live in. Well, that's, it's, it's, you know, yeah. Whether it's, it's, it's the complexity, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you use the word brighter and I, I, I understand what you're saying. I think, but you, you touched on it a little bit. I think it's emotional maturity. You know, I think, yeah. it, I think it's, I think that's probably the, the better phrase because someone, someone can be really smart, right. But can just be, you just look at them sometimes like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, like, like you see the reactions yeah. to some things and you're like, well, it's completely out of line to what is necessary, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's, it's emotional maturity. And I think it's just not being able to understand that someone's thoughts may be complex or the things they're talking about may be a little bit more complex. And, and, and maybe, maybe you got to stretch yourself to appreciate what that person's saying. Maybe you've got to like, okay, I've got to, I've got to absorb this and, and break it down. You know, and maybe they're they're not capable right. of doing that. I don't know if they are. Maybe they're so used to hearing one thing over and over again, they believe it. It's their, it's in their soul. It's in their, you know, their mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they cannot, they can't believe. Like I have, I've had people. You know, we'll, we're talking about difference of opinion, and I'll be talking with someone, and they'll ask me, "Where did you hear that?" And I kind of step back. I'm like, "What do you mean? Where? I mean, like, it's, it's common knowledge. No, it's not. I'm like, yeah, it is." And you know, I'll show them where I read this or tell them where I read this. But it goes back to what we talked about with how you're boxed into a corner with social media on your algorithms and clicks. So if you're only told and you're only seeing one percentage of or one area of a subject matter and you don't see the other side, yeah, you're not going to you're going to believe these per, the other person's an idiot. 
Yeah. You're only going to know what you're fed. Exactly. I know. And it is frustrating because, you know, I have had conversations with people where, you know, whatever, we have a differing opinion. And I try not to get in those conversations, but some people are aggressive and they they want to they want to talk and they want to prove their point and i'll be calm and i'll try to ask you know um realistic questions logical questions and i'll stay calm and, and then they'll get more aggressive like well blah, you know start yelling and that why don't you see what i'm saying and i'm like well that's what i'm trying to understand because i'm trying to understand your side and you'll try to get them to explain their side or where their viewpoint comes from and they don't really have an answer, so that's when they start yelling or, you know, getting um, name-calling or whatever. And I just, I don't need to go there because if I know what I'm talking about, I don't have to get vicious or low blows with people. I just try to stick to what I know. Right. And if I don't know, I tell people, I'm like, that's not my area of knowledge, so I, I couldn't even argue with you about that, you know? I've also I've also found myself more and more over the past few years avoiding I, even when I get a hint of a potential conversation that's going to lead to conflict. I like I'm like I don't even want to mm-hmm. I don't even want I don't have the energy anymore. You know, like I don't I don't I just don't have it in me. Let someone else duke it out with somebody else. I just don't want to have any part of it. Um, yeah, same here. You know, every once in a while I'll get sucked into it, and that's unfortunate, but. I guess what we're just trying to say is if you're getting joy out of something, continue to get joy out of it. Whether you like what that person believes or the, or the opinions that that person has, continue to listen to their music, continue to enjoy their music, continue to go enjoy someone's movies who has a different opinion than yours, continue to have or go watch comedy specials. You know, if you still like that comedian and the subject matter, enjoy what you want to enjoy. And if someone has a different opinion that's different from yours, accept it, not like it or like it, and just move on. Exactly. It's, it's, that's the way it should be. Worry about things that really matter. Worrying about what Paul Stanley thinks or what Ted Nugent thinks or what Nikki Six thinks or Kid Rock. Don't worry about that well, stuff. Well, even Taylor Swift, she, she got slammed because... Uh, she she even got slammed by the people she was trying to support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can't even win with the people you're winning right. with. You know, she she got slammed. You know, she had people that you know were were very positive, but also people in the LGBTQ community or is it LGBTQI? I don't remember which initials at this point are added on, but. Um, there were people that were criticizing her. Oh, you're just trying to jump on the bandwagon. It's like, well, on the one hand, you want support, and this is somebody who has a lot of exposure that could really, you know, make an impact, and now you're yelling at her. It's <laughs> like you can't win no matter what if you're, uh, you know, if you're a celebrity and trying to uh, share your views on anything political. That's just the way that it is. And then at the end of the day, if you don't like something, Turn it off. Switch, change the channel. Go visit another website. You don't have to listen to it. You have options. You know? Exactly. You, you exactly. utilize those options. Don't sit there yep. and get angry about what something said. Just just change the channel. Change the station. George Carlin used to say it all the time in his in his routine. You know, there are a couple knobs on the radio. 
you know, yep. and, 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 and there are many, there are many letters on a keyboard and a computer. You can find another website, go visit that website, you know, or right. go well, visit. It's some- like the, the whole Howard Stern thing, all the crap he dealt with his whole career. It's like all these people that would sit and listen to everything he said, just so they could complain about it. It's like, you know, you don't have to listen to them if you don't like it. But instead, they were so hell-bent and trying to get him, get him off the air because they didn't like what he was saying and they were uncomfortable with it. Like, who are you trying to protect? Nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head to listen to Howard's son. I personally still listen to Howard on Sirius. I've listened to him for years. But nobody was forcing you to listen to him on terrestrial radio. But meanwhile... That's what people were doing. They were listening. They were picking out things that he said or did and reporting it to FBC, you know, whatever. I mean, it was just so, but these are miserable people, in my opinion. It's just miserable people who have nothing better to do, and they think they're going to make themselves look like some type of do-gooder and get some type of accolade for it. So they put all their focus into that instead of focusing on something positive that they could do in their own lives. I agree. Well, we'll end on that. And I enjoy the conversation, Claudia. Claudia Stavola, our guest today, you can hear on Monsters of Rock Radio. Are you still doing uh, late afternoons? Evenings? Oh, no, I've been doing mornings for a while now. I'm on um, 8 a.m. Eastern. Wait, you're going to make me do math till noon. I know I'm on for four hours, so Eastern time, 8 to noon, um, West Coast time, obviously, 5 to 9. That's the, so if you're the morning drive or if you're at work and you can listen, um, tune into Monster Rock on Cash Radio. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Claudia Comedy. And I put my uh, I put my show dates up on my website, ClaudiaComedy.com, if people actually still need website <laughs> no that's great no no i i always enjoy listening to monsters of rock the thing that's distinguishes claudia from the other djs is she has the personality she actually does her little bits in between songs once in a while that's a little different than the uh, the other personalities on on the show are on the platform thank you so yeah i try to keep it keep it fresh with i do some uh you know, whether there's an old man Florida news story, they're always seeing things that, oh, you know, I like to talk about funny stuff going on in the news or, you know, just whatever's going on in my life. I try to share a little bit here and there. Well, again, thank you for doing the episode. I really do appreciate it. We finally hooked up and did this, and I won't bother you as much as I did anymore. And Aww, <laughs> I wish I didn't do it. I like when you bother me. I'll keep bothering you. <laughs> I'll keep bothering you. But again, Claudia, thank you again. Once again, this is Jay Scott. You are listening to The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Enjoy your episode. Enjoy your other episodes on SoundCloud. Now we have a Facebook page. I post them on Twitter. iTunes is coming soon. You can hear them on Spotify. And also YouTube coming soon as well. So look out for all that stuff. We'll be talking again soon. Thanks a lot and have a good day.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 